This bonus podcast episode was recorded by students at St. Olaf College in the American Conversations Project course, led by professors Colin Wells and Eric Fuhr Slocum. Thank you to the students and professors for putting these podcasts together. Learn more about them and the project on our podcast homepage. What are your thoughts on the way environmental policy is prioritized in American politics today? We might be here until the end of this semester. On September 20th, 2019, students around the world participated in a climate strike, calling for more political action to protect the environment. Many young people believe that environmental policy is not being prioritized in our political system the way it should be. It's pretty easy for people to agree that combating climate change is a good idea. But what a lot of people were discussing was, how much is this protest really accomplishing? And what else can we do to fight for this cause that we care so much about? One obvious answer is to vote in the 2020 presidential election. However, with all the other issues related to the election, actual information about environmental policy can be hard to find. Most candidates have been focusing more heavily on issues like national security, education, gun control, and health care. Even those candidates who do support new environmental policy tend not to have specific plans. As college students in rural Minnesota, we took a look into how agriculture relates to environmental policy. It seems that recent efforts towards making agriculture more environmentally friendly tend to manifest locally rather than federally. We started off by following the story of a carbon offset program set up by the St. Olaf Band. It had the intent of canceling out our carbon emissions from Bantour. I got to talk to someone who is closely involved with this project. My name is Hannah Reed. I am the head of Eco Crew in Band, and we have been working on a carbon offset program with Dave Legvold. Dave Legvold is a local farmer who has been involved with the St. Olaf Band for many years. He knows a lot about um, till versus no-till farming, which became an integral part of how we addressed trying to offset the carbon. Can you give us kind of like a rundown of exactly how this project worked? Yeah, so what we did is we all got together and we mapped out the trip um, uh, by flights to California in this case, um, and then all the driving around that we did. So primarily the most amount of carbon emitted came from the flights. They ended up with a number, the amount of carbon emitted by the band going on tour. This is where no-till farming comes in. When they do till farming, it's a process where they overturn the soil and release a lot of carbon into the atmosphere through that process. Uh, So some farmers have figured out how to do no-till farming, where they use crops that don't uh, require the soil to be overturned between seasons. And that keeps a lot of carbon in the ground, which is called sequestering carbon. So we figured that if we were able to subsidize local farmers in the area who practice no-till farming, we would be able to offset the amount of carbon that banned emits from our tours. Hearing about this project made us curious about no-till farming and its effects on the environment. The idea which inspired no-till farming came from Edward H. Faulkner's book, The Plowman's Folly. 
Although the book was written in 1943, it wasn't until the 1960s that farmers began to develop systems of no-till farming. The current method is done by depositing seeds directly into untilled soil, which retains residue from the previous crop. This requires special equipment, which is different from traditional farming equipment. While the method of no-till farming has been expanding, it is expensive and most farmers are unable to switch over without extra funding. According to the 2017 Census of Agriculture, 37% of tillable land in the United States was being farmed using no-till. This number is slowly increasing. No-till is not only better for the environment, but also cuts costs and labor on farms. While there are many clear reasons for farmers to switch to no-till farming, the expense of new equipment tends to get in the way. One way to improve upon this conundrum is to have the government subsidize no-till farming. The U.S. government has not made much movement towards this so far. Unfortunately, the overall lack of common knowledge about no-till farming is another barrier to its widespread inflammation in America. Some farmers have never even heard of no-till. Luckily, we were able to find someone more than willing to share information. We were able to interview the man involved with the St. Olaf Band Carbon Offset Initiative, Dave Legvold. The sound you just heard is his wood-burning heating system, which is less harmful to the atmosphere than heating with fossil fuels. My name is David Legvold. I am a lifelong Northfield resident, a retired school educator, retired John Deere Company employee, retired education director of Eagle Bluff Environmental Learning Center, retired executive director of the Cannon River Watershed. Now I'm working on retiring from farming and so far I've failed. Dave is very passionate about conservation and environmentally friendly farming practices. He started using no-till farming as soon as he heard about the damaging effects of tilling on the environment. So I thought there's a better way to do this and I explored using no-till. The Dakota County Soil and Water Group had no-till planting equipment that I could rent. Today, Dave runs his farm using as many environmentally friendly practices as possible. Our farm has been water quality certified since 2015. Uh, what that means is we're not destroying the soil, and it means that any water that leaves the farm is of good quality. We also talked about other ways farmers are reacting to the effects of climate change, which are already apparent. Dave took us across a snow-covered field to show us where the runoff goes from his farm's drainage tile. Uh, we have a problem with uh, water on the land. So drainage tile is becoming a strategy to deal with the increased precipitation. Drainage tile helps excess water run off from the fields in a clean way and lets it out into either a pond or a creek. There's a lot more of this excess water recently due to unpredictable precipitation. The environment is definitely changing, and we have to change along with it. But we have to believe first. One of our biggest takeaways from our conversation with Dave was that there's a lot that people don't know about the impacts of agriculture on the environment. Americans vaguely know that farming has something to do with environmental decline, but few actually do research or care enough to understand exactly what those impacts are. Dave certainly has visions for what the future of farming policy could be. Uh, there really aren't any programs like the St. Olaf Carbon Offset, but there needs to be. The Green New Deal is a big topic of discussion in the 2020 election. 
Before Senator Bernie Sanders dropped out of the presidential race, he was one of the biggest proponents of the Green New Deal. Joe Biden also supports it, but to a lesser extent. Joe Biden has expressed interest in achieving net zero emissions in the agricultural industry. His plan to achieve this involves paying farmers to adopt practices that would help reduce emissions. Since no-till farming requires less fuel, it would be fair to assume that it would be one of those practices that would be subsidized under Biden's administration. As we mentioned earlier, no-till farming sequesters carbon and improves soil health, but its expensive equipment makes farmers reluctant to switch. Bernie Sanders had proposed $160 billion in incentives to farmers for improving soil health and sequestering carbon. This could have helped many farmers switch to practices like no-till. President Donald Trump is staunchly against the Green New Deal because of its high cost and possible job loss that could occur. Throughout his term as president, Trump has repeatedly made claims that he is improving air and water quality in the U.S., while simultaneously rolling back over 80 environmental regulations, such as Obama's Clean Power Plan. After we talked to Dave, we also reached out to students on campus and spoke to someone who had a different farming experience. I'm Abby Wisnowski. I'm from Bridgehampton, New York, and my family owns a potato farm. So are there any farming techniques used on your farm that are particularly environmentally friendly that you know of? No, like I can't think of anything that stands out. It's not Abby or her family's fault that their farm isn't particularly aimed towards being environmentally friendly. As we are continually discovering, switching to environmentally friendly practices can be expensive. That's one of the biggest things my dad complains about is the cost of all these things. They also use cover crops, which are grasses and other plants that are planted in the fields when the target crop is not being grown. This prevents the soil from eroding and protects water sources from being filled with runoff soil. Cover crops are also used to help mitigate the number of weeds, which in turn contributes to a reduction in herbicide use, reducing pollution. They're actually really important because um, another farmer near us didn't get his cover crop down in time and all the dust was blowing and neighbors were complaining and you lose about two inches of topsoil, which, you know, the dirt just gets everywhere, so that's also not good. Agricultural practices like no-till farming and planting cover crops are things that the typical American public isn't very well educated about. And yet, they're extremely important for minimizing the damage done on the environment. As we prepare for the upcoming election, we consider the possibilities. Joe Biden has specific plans for the environment and agriculture. He also advocates for implementing more clean power, such as solar and hydropower. Trump has generally been against alternative forms of energy for fear of job loss in the fossil fuels industry and continues to claim that climate change is a hoax. So we come back to our original question. What do you think about the way environmental policy is prioritized in American politics today? Well, I guess my thoughts on that would be that environmental policy certainly needs to be higher on the priority list. That's why I'm really excited about the upcoming elections and the focus on environmental issues. I feel like the farming aspect of environmental policy is not focused on. I feel like more stuff that has to do with cars and, you know, like plastic and that kind of stuff is more focused on than the agricultural aspect of it. It's great to say, let's focus on the environment, let's not become political. But as soon as you start to focus on the environment, boy, you're up to your neck in politics. I don't think it's covered as much as it should be. Politicians tend to look at the dollars and say, well, how many dollars can we put into this and expect benefit? 
it is definitely a really pressing issue at this moment in time and I think it deserves our utmost attention. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode. Find more bonus episodes on the same page. There are several for different issues of this election cycle from St. Olaf College students in the American Conversations Project. As always, let us know what you think at podcast at compact.org or hashtag compactnationpod and learn more about our show at compact.org slash podcast. And of course, rate us and review us anywhere you can.